Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying, skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well. Sort of an overcast, well, it's a wintry-looking afternoon but not bad at all uh as as here we are i mean we're just 13 days away from christmas we're eight days away from what i think an awful lot of auburn football fans are feeling like christmas signing day hasn't felt like this well you know quite frankly it hasn't felt like this for the early signing period for auburn fans i mean because uh it it has not been Wow, can't wait to see these guys make it official, or are we going to flip anybody else, things like that, come uh, December 20th. Let's see. We'll catch you up on the latest, what's going on, who's going in, who is coming out, who's made decisions in the portal, uh, and take a look ahead at this weekend where um, it's Sunday should be a lot of fun over at Neville Arena. Uh, Southern Cal coming in. Quite a few top football prospects will be attending. Who knows who all will be attending this Sunday? But <laughs> that'll sort of be the the culmination of, of, be, of a big weekend. It's not going to be. Oh, by the way, <laughs> hi everybody. I'm back. But but it's, hey, uh, it's hey man, are you be, feeling better? I'm feeling great. It was uh, it was a brief but intense feeling of not great that I've I've since. We, we wondered back from. if you just hadn't gotten over celebrating Otani. No, I, I am willing to talk in detail about the Otani thing, which I thought was uh, was not going to happen for the Dodgers after the news broke that you know seemingly the Blue Jays were in uh, uh, in, in in the pole position. But sure enough, the uh, the Dodgers make a, a record breaking deal. We could talk about that. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys have talked about that a little. Oh, we bit, talk, we talked about it some yesterday. Got an awful lot of football talk in yesterday with Brian Matthews here, but. I mean, the um, most important thing to talk about with Otani is how do you wh- what do you deal how do you deal with him in a National League only? That's not the baseball. most important thing to talk about about Otani. That's <laughs> that's uh, that's way that's way on down way on. Down I think the Floyd's list. right, and just to be to be clear, I think I think as usual, Floyd is uh, is is spot on. Although although the the idea of as I said, the idea of treating him like two separate players and having you know people who can go get if you treated him like two separate players his salary would would be more commensurate to what he's getting now sure because he'd have to be paid quite a bit either way and to I be a pitcher would, or a hitter and that way his stats would count you know and and if someone wanted to have him on their team as both a hitter and a pitcher they they could pay you'd have to pay him both right for, sure or if, or if someone else someone else could have Otani the pitcher and so anyways i so i think that'd be a fun I, way of I doing want, it now. i i i think it i think it would be fun to have him as two different players and then have him trade him for himself Sure, as part of a package deal, I think. I, th- I think seeing the bidding for Otani the hitter and Otani the pitcher would be, anyways. Uh, yeah. but, anyway, but, but I, I feel great. It's great to be back. And as for the Auburn USC game this weekend, and there's a game in between. You know, tomorrow night, of course, there absolutely is, and a game that Bruce Pearl 
talked about being a trap game, you know, a game where he needs to see that his players are focused on that. Uh, coming off that that huge, very impressive win this past Saturday in Atlanta. It's easy for Auburn players to look ahead to USC because it does feel like there's a buzz to, uh, you know, we, we've said in the past, and it doesn't look like yeah, not, neither team is going to be ranked in the top 25. I would say there probably aren't two teams. There, there are not 25 teams more talented than either USC or Auburn. I know USC's dropped some games. Right. The, the Long Beach State game was a, was a loss more recently, but but that roster has pieces that just about anybody would want. So I, I think uh, it's it's a big out of conference game, one of the bigger non conference games ever at Neville Arena uh, for uh, for Auburn. So this is a uh, it, it's it's understandable. Will LeBron James be there? Was a question that right when um, his Lakers don't play. They they don't they and, don't play on uh, Sunday and and I thought when when we were waiting to see if Bronny was going to make his debut in that game it seemed more realistic to expect I think if, if it were if it were Bronny's first game as LeBron LeBron said he would go to oh well, I think yeah I think you'd be work. you'd be pretty darn sure that I, I uh, could, that LeBron would be I there. could see LeBron not only going to the game but also going to the game in Montgomery and maybe. Uh, you know, exploring some of the the you know, some some of the historic sites in the city of Montgomery. I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, there's there's different possibilities there. Auburn plays Alabama State, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, shortly after. Yeah, that's that's the only that's yeah. It's like a tr- there's like a triangle there where because right. USC is coming to play both schools and then and then Alabama State comes up and plays uh, Neville Arena. I believe it's Auburn's game after. Uh, USC. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's the, even without the LeBron subplot, Auburn USC is a, a really big game. And uh, boy, the team looked good on Saturday, right? I mean, they they looked fabulous. Again, I, I wasn't able to watch it closely as we were at a family uh, Christmas gathering down in South Alabama. The game was on. We didn't turn it on when we turned it on. I mentioned this yesterday. We turned it on. Auburn was down twenty to ten. Thought, uh oh. But then every time we looked, it's like, oh wow. There, I mean, they made every shot. It seemed like that we looked and turned and saw, and and uh, yeah, Auburn. The second half of the first half, the last ten minutes of the first half, just uh, fabulous. I mean, the eleven everything minutes, that they did was was good. The eleven twelve minutes to, to close out the first half, where they where they stretched the lead. You know, what was it thirty something or forty something to, to twelve? Right, forty two twelve. Yeah, I mean that that's. It's the best basketball we've seen from Auburn all season. And then in the second half, especially when Indiana cut it to, what, 11? Like, Indiana got it to 11 in the second half, and Auburn just, I mean, played its best basketball in response to Indiana making it close. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, Auburn pushed it up 30 after that. Absolutely. So, I mean, between that and uh, the shooting from Holloway, Jalen Williams, uh, Conference Player of the Week now, I mean, it, it's – uh, yeah, I mean it, it's it's a yeah Jalen Williams player of the week, Aiden Holloway freshman of the week. Um, yeah, just that's the but that is the concern. Bruce Pearl speaking with the media today, and if we get if we uh, get a chance, we may let you hear a little of that uh, a little later on. But before then, we'll hear from the voice of the Tigers, Andy Burcham. He's going to be calling in today, uh, so we'll talk with Andy. This hour, we'll have our regular visit with Jake Crane of Crane and Company in hour number two. And I'm sure we'll, we'll talk a good bit of football with him, as I mentioned, with the signing period, the early signing period, which is the short one. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Most players shine uh, sign in that 
48-hour period, whereas uh, the the rest will sign have a month and a half uh, starting in February. But but yeah, we're getting closer to that. So an awful lot of things to be talking about. Let's see. Well, we got Auburn. on the roster front. You've got the transfer portal. I mean, at any moment, because right. The portal's open. Auburn had another player enter the portal today. That was Austin Osbury. Austin Osbury, uh, and you've also, I mean, in the last day or so, I, I imagine you guys talked about Lewis yesterday. Robert, yeah. But but Auburn landing the uh, the third team All Conference uh, Sun Belt uh, player from Georgia State, who, who's going to come in, and uh, so, so now you know Auburn's bringing in at least one veteran receiver on top of the. Uh, on top of the incoming uh, freshmen that they're going to count on in, in the passing game next year, you still have NFL draft uh, play. You know there are still players. I'd say mm-hmm. multiple ones. Keontae Scott made it official yesterday. Yeah, uh, and and I think Jason made a great point that I've since stolen on multiple other uh, platforms, which is Keontae. You know, s- some guys who have a decision to make don't have a lot to gain by coming back with regards to their NFL draft stock. If they come back and have a good season, they could be kind of looking at a similar type of grade to what they have right now in the NFL. If Keontae Scott comes back to college football and plays outside corner, like Jason Caldwell said last week, if he, if he comes back and moves to the outside and has a really good season playing on the outside, suddenly he's a different kind of player in the eyes of the NFL mm-hmm. than, than what he could be right now, which is already – something that NFL teams would want. But I think if he moves to the outside and he's productive on the outside next year, that's something every NFL team would want. And and there's also the NIL considerations in effect, which, you know, we were talking about, remember the Carson Beck conversation uh, from from last week? You'd you'd heard the rumors about the dollars being rumored to keep Carson Beck at Georgia versus have him. Yeah, that was Trey Wallace posted that uh, Beck might be uh, looking for four and a half million dollars to stay, and someone had an article today. I think it was Saturday Down South had an article today about how they've heard from a couple people that Carson Beck is the biggest domino in the quarterback transfer portal race because quarterbacks don't necessarily want to pick a school and then see Georgia open up the next day because Carson Beck is going to the NFL draft, and so a lot of the quarterbacks in the portal might be waiting to see what Carson Beck decides to do. Well, if they want to play in the spring, they probably uh, they probably ought to. Uh, I don't know that waiting for Carson Beck's going to do them a lot of good because he's got until, put us around January 20th or so. And the, the portal, you know, of course, they can be in the portal, I guess, and just wait. But they're not going to have an opportunity to be practicing in a school in the spring. And, and we've seen that that is a detriment. It is, it is beneficial to go through spring practice, you know, for quarterbacks. Well, think about what Georgia's situation would be at quarterback, too, if Carson Beck decided to leave before they could sign someone else because they just lost Brock Vandegrift to, to Kentucky. There he was are, number three, though, wasn't he? There, there's talk about was he was he firmly behind? Yeah, I think he, I think he was third on uh, the depth chart. Because, because there's Stockton, too, right? There's, right. there's Gunnar Stockton, mm-hmm. who— I think he was two. And, and, he's, and, he's, the, and he's, from, was he's from Tiger, Georgia. I don't know how much Gunnar Stockton— Doesn't actually, look like they're going to sign Dylan Rayola, either. Uh, right, and well, Nebraska's back in the mix, right, is the and, talk and, there. And is that interesting that a week a week or so after Matt Rule says, a good quarterback's going to cost you one to two million, I wonder how much uh, Dylan Rayola's going to cost Nebraska, even though— He's a, a Nebraska legacy. Right, and apparently he, he has an uncle on the staff. Yeah, his That's uncle's the, the offensive line coach and his dad also 
uh, went to Nebraska. So Matt Hayes had the story uh, for Saturday Down South. NFL or Georgia, Carson Beck is the biggest domino in college football, posted uh, earlier today. And, uh, and yeah, it talks about uh, the, uh, the, the average amount of money you could make between being the 10th and 20th pick in the NFL draft. Uh, it, the salary cap number is about $4 million. 2.5 to $4 million is about what, what someone could make. There's a scout quoted in the article who says uh, b- between now and the NFL draft, if Carson Beck declared between the interviews and what he would be able to do in workouts and things, there's, uh, you know, he, he has confidence Carson Beck could be the third quarterback taken uh, or at least somewhere in the first round, which, you know, I, I don't know if the NIL thing was supposed to be keeping guys who would be first round picks from staying in college sports, right? Wasn't it more about helping, like... Hey, the NIL is all about helping teams get and keep whoever they can. Sure, That's but, what it's all about it now. Just, I don't know. It just seems, it seems uh, crazy to me where it's like, okay, we're bidding against... <laughs> we're not bidding against uh, you know, fair market value. It's we're bidding against what a guy could make as the 15th mm-hmm. overall pick in the, in the NFL draft or something. I don't know. But, but if, Carson, <clears throat> if Carson Beck decides to leave... There are there are multiple quarterbacks in the portal that would suddenly be very interested in maybe filling his shoes at Georgia and stepping into what uh, and, and I'm I mean you just mentioned Gunnar Stockton but like Georgia would probably want a veteran like if 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 Carson Beck decided today he was leaving suddenly guys like Cam Ward and um what who DJU and I mean yeah. I, I mean players uh, the the Kansas, the, the Kansas vis- I think he's based in Florida State right the, the Kansas State quarterback uh, 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 Will was it Will Howard uh, yes yeah I mean th- those those guys would suddenly maybe even um, uh, uh, Coastal Carolina like quarterback I think quarterbacks like that although you've heard very little buzz you really on, have Grayson McCall's stock apparently I wild, mean has isn't it? really really dipped from last year you know who would you know who would probably get some interest if he kicked if if uh, and i haven't heard i haven't heard if he's actually thought about it but wouldn't you think tj finley is somebody that if he decided he wanted to hear uh offers from places like after the season he had at texas state like tj finley had multiple really big games at texas state and he's somebody with major conference experience like i i, I wonder if schools Looking, I mean, maybe not schools that feel like they're a quarterback away from a championship, but certainly schools in major conferences, places rebuilding, places that are like starting from uh, near the bottom. Like I, I wonder if there'd be interest in T.J. Finley from some of these places based on the season, yeah, maybe. based on the season he just had in the Sun Belt and and some other things. But well, that's what, and and I think that's why a lot of that's why a lot of kids jump into the portal. They think. Hey, I, I, I'm definitely going to be able to move up, and sometimes they're right. Sadly, sometimes it doesn't work out. So some of the names Matt Hayes <clears throat> mentioned in the, in the Carson Beck thing: Will Rogers, Cam Ward, and Dante Moore are players that, uh, in in one of the reasons they might still be on hold and available is because they're waiting for for Carson Beck to make a decision. And then another coach apparently told uh, Will Hayes that he thinks. Uh, he, he thinks that there are quarterbacks that would go into the portal if Carson Beck went to the NFL with the hope of maybe being his replacement at Georgia. There are quarterbacks where that's enough to make them think like, "Oh, let's." I mean, because it would be a pretty major, yeah, I guess. It'd be a pretty major opening. Yeah, it would. With, within it so, would. so, I mean, I, I don't know, but it, but you can understand it's it's maybe part of the reason. I just for the wonder if pattern. Cam Ward is going to like put off Ohio State. 
Exactly. You're, to, you're right. to see if Georgia happens to open, I just don't know that that one made a lot of, would make a lot of sense. Yeah, no, there, there could be – I mean, it, I think that there, there could be a couple places on par with Georgia as, mm-hmm. a, as a destination. Uh, other places where, yeah, I mean, it may, maybe it would make sense for quarterbacks to wait and see if, uh, if, if, a, if a serious domino opened up. 334-321-1390, that is the Drive Hotline presented by Skybar. We'd love for you to join in. Oh, you can also text the show, 334-564-1840. That's the drive text box presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. And they also sponsor the podcast, which is available however you listen to podcasts. We'll get to our first break. Love for you to join us here on the Tuesday Drive. Whether you're a senior golfer or pro athlete, high school. 211390. Toll free at 888 382 7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan with Drew at the controls. And uh, we, will, we will hold off on your calls. Wanted to make sure, you know, when we were going to be able to spend some time with Andy Burcham. We're going to uh, be calling him, so we will we'll get to your calls here in just a little bit. Should we read the uh, the public safety alert in case yeah, you know, people, so. people driving? Because I, I just got it on my phone. The uh, first responders uh, investigating a gas leak at East Samford and Wrights Mill Road. Uh, some structures have been evacuated on uh, Armstrong and Moore's Mill. And let me see if I can find uh, – yeah, so structures – on Samford between Armstrong and Moores Mill Road are being evacuated as a mm. precaution. This was about 25 minutes right. ago. I got it as a public safety alert on my phone. Have not uh, heard. Have not heard an update uh, since. Uh, if, if we if we get one, I guess we'll pass it along before the end of the show. Yeah. So, uh, if if you can, you know, avoid avoid that area. Be, be aware yes. and be alert. I guess would be you know our advice. I don't know if we're qualified to give anything more uh, um, more specific than that. All right, we will uh, we'll get to your calls a little later on. Right now, though, uh, we we are going to the uh, drive hotline and welcoming in the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham. Andy, how you doing today, guys? I'm doing well. Uh, on the drive to Huntsville for tomorrow night's game with UNC Asheville. Yeah, really interesting to see how Auburn plays after such a magnificent performance yeah. the other day in Atlanta. Well, you know, and it's interesting you say that, Bill, because Auburn played so well, especially defensively, against Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. and then followed that with its loss at Appalachian State. Now, that was at Appalachian State, and Appalachian State shot the ball well, and Auburn simply did not. And then Auburn had a week, almost a week, to prepare for Indiana and put together its best game of the season defensively certainly offensively, shot the ball as well as they've, they've shot all season long. And now, you know, just a few days later, how do you follow that up against a team that you should beat, but a team that was the Big South regular season and a conference uh, tournament champion a year ago and are picked to do the same again this year with their Drew Pember, who is uh, transferred from Tennessee, who is the reigning Big South Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year. So you've got some you've got some talent that that Asheville brings in tomorrow night. So how how well do you play? How well do you execute after such a a tremendous win, a dominating win against Indiana? And then you've got USC working mm-hmm. on Sunday. I, 
it's an interesting dynamic for, for Bruce Pearl's team for this game tomorrow night. Right. I know he called it a, a trap game with that yeah. USC game coming up Sunday because everyone is focusing on that one, looking at, wow, what a, what, what a great opportunity it is. People are, you know, trying, you know, just as uh, uh, madly as they can, uh, everything that they can to come up with tickets for that game right. Sunday. But in the meantime, yes, Auburn needs to go out and take care of business tomorrow night. Absolutely, Bill. I think you want this team to go out and play well. You want to see this team continue to execute the way it did against Indiana. You don't want that setback before you get USC on Sunday. And I, I mean, Bruce Pearl has been all over this basically since that game Saturday. Uh, with Just because he's got the example of Appalachian State that this team has already gone through. Now, listen. If it goes out and shoots the ball as well as it did against Indy, I like this team against anybody. And I mean that, anybody. Because that team, after the 12-minute the mark, basically, on Saturday, when Auburn trailed by 12, and then outscored Indiana 42-12 to for the rest of the half, I mean, that, that team got into a rhythm. And although Indiana got within 11 early in the second half, then Auburn just pulled away and was just – it was, it was fun. Uh, I went to church, Bill, and I sat behind you and to your right. Yeah, I saw you. For the, the, for the Festival of Carols, which was terrific, by the way, at Auburn United Methodist Church. But, I mean, I don't know how many people walked up and said, you must have had fun calling that game. <laughs> and I did. It was fun to call that game on Saturday. So, so, Andy, who stood out? Because as impressive as the 42 points is in, the, in that outburst, you know, the final 12 minutes of the first half. Auburn also held Indiana, like you said, to 12. After Indiana shot the ball well to, to start the game, who stood out on the perimeter defensively for Auburn? I guess not just in the Indiana game, but but so far this year. But, yeah, singling out uh, Auburn's performance on Saturday. Well, I thought one of the guys that, that didn't necessarily figure into the stat sheet, as he typically would, was Trey Donaldson coming off the bench because he was he was out there when Auburn started that run in the first half. And now, listen, from a staff perspective, he did grab seven rebounds. Mm-hmm. Not bad for your, your point guard, your backup point guard at, in this case, to get in the game. And I, I mean, his he and, and 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 the other point guard for Aiden. the Tigers, Holloway. Yeah, I'm sorry, I couldn't come over the stand for a minute driving down the road here. Yeah, they're, they're so different in their styles. I mean, they can both be effective as shooters. I think Trey's a better driver. I think Trey is better at taking the the tempo and stepping it up a notch for Auburn in the game. And I think Trey's probably a better defender. Now, Aiden is a better scorer right. for Auburn. But neither one of those guys turned it over. That's one of the things... Auburn had, what, 23 or 24 assists? 20, 25 and three, and, and three, and the third one was just because there were eight-tenths of a second left and the ball didn't hit the rim. I mean, so really and, 25 and that, that, assists and two turnovers with the tempo that Auburn plays is phenomenal. Well, and, and if without that, without that turnover, literally in the last second of the game, Auburn sets a new team record right. for the fewest turnovers in a game as it, as it was. It tied the team record with just three in the game. I thought Trey Donaldson was a big factor 
for Auburn coming off the bench. I thought, uh, listen, Katie Johnson is, you know, he he can be up and down for you. And Saturday, buddy, he, he was, was playing up. in his hometown. <laughs> he played like it. Uh, and he was, I mean, think about him putting it on the floor and getting to the basket time and time again during that 42-12 to 12 run. So that that. That is, that's two guys on the perimeter, I thought, that came off the bench for Auburn and were just massive factors for the Tigers. And then, of course, I mean, you know, you, Holloway ends up with 24 points on the day, and he was, he was a factor all day long. And then Jalen Williams, from about the midway mark of the first half through the game, you know, 24 points and had six or seven rebounds, and he had seven assists, which is one behind his career high. I mean, he, he was a stats stuffer on Saturday. And Dylan Cardwell off the bench, I thought, was terrific defensively against that inside play of Indiana. But let's be honest, guys. I mean, if they're, if you take away their inside game, you, you take away basically their offense. And other than Renew, who I thought was good at times going one-on-one, Auburn completely took the seven-footer out of the ballgame on Saturday. Yeah, they out rebound Indiana, the the uh, the bigger team, and and we mentioned it a little bit yesterday. But if anybody had said, "Well, Janai's going to score two points," yeah. then I would have thought, "Oh, this 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 may not be as uh, it may not be a whole lot of fun." Instead, Auburn wins by twenty eight with Janai scoring two, but he did other things very well. Well, it was I thought it was a true team win. It wasn't just one guy. And it wasn't just the scoring. It was the defense. And at one time, remember, Auburn was trailing rebounding. The, the, the edge was 8-1 to one mm-hmm. at one point at the start of that ball game. So Auburn came roaring back not only on the scoreboard, but in the stat sheet rebounding as well. It was a great win for Auburn. It looks great nationally. When you see Auburn go out, as, as Bruce Pearl called it, against one of the Blue Bloods in college basketball and dominate the way Auburn did, and guys, there was a big, big crowd from both schools on hand for that game. There were Auburn people there. There were a ton of Indiana people at this ball game as well. And they got pretty quiet after about the 12-minute mark of the first half, and they didn't have a whole lot to cheer about for the rest of that ball game. Yeah, Ferg, uh, Ferg talked to somebody who said Atlanta is in the top three or in the top five of, uh, of, of concentrations of Indiana graduates. So apparently That's it would. Surprising. I, I, yeah, I would have That's had. A, I would have had cities in the Northeast, right? As, as West. Maybe, yeah, Chicago and Indianapolis, and maybe some of the big cities in the Northeast. But instead, it's yeah, apparently Atlanta. So uh, yeah, it, it's uh, that's one of the reasons maybe that you saw such a significant representation. They they travel and, well, though. and they and yeah, it, they yeah, do. Atlanta's an easy town to get to if you really yeah, want to go sure. too. But but uh, no, I, I thought. I mean, it's it's shocking to think Auburn had more points in the paint than maybe the tallest team they will play. All season long, Ole Miss has a big front court, but we were talking about that before the game. That this is this is maybe the single biggest team Auburn's going to face. And I thought the pace really got to Indiana, where they started feeling like they needed to uh, they needed to shoot threes quickly, and that's not something they've done very much this season to try to keep up with Auburn. And that led to them maybe not trying to work it inside of their bigs as much as, I don't know, you know, the word settling comes up a lot. And, like, at times Auburn's defense was really forcing Indiana to either take shots before they were 
you know, in, in their offense or uh, take shots that guys normally don't take because they felt like they needed to keep up with Auburn? Well, it was an unsettling start to the game because Indiana came out and did what they don't do, and that's shoot the three and shoot it well. And But Auburn didn't panic, and that, that coaching staff didn't panic at that point. I, we, we all thought, holy cow, what's going on here? And Indiana kind of came back to Auburn from a shooting perspective, and then, then that's when Auburn went on its run. And just from the from the basically the 13-minute mark of the first half to the end of that game, it was orange and blue from start to finish from that point on. Well, uh, coming up tomorrow night, this one has been sold out for a long time. Auburn folks in the Huntsville area wanting a chance to see the Tigers. And uh, it, it, it's going to be a – I think it's going to be a really raucous crowd. You mentioned, though, Asheville is a team – they're used to winning, and they're going to come in right. feeling like, hey, they've got nothing to lose. They're going to just be swinging from their heels. No, they, 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 they have nothing to lose in this. And listen, Asheville's going to make its make hay when it gets to the Big South. They're about 500 right now, and come in, I think they've lost their last couple of ball games, including losing to Western Carolina in, the, in their last game. But listen, they, they have – they, they typically pay, play some of the big boys, and this is an opportunity for them to be on a, on a I'm not going to say a national stage because it's, it's SEC Network Plus, but they've got a chance to beat a team that I guess is, what, top 35 in the polls right now and as high as number 11 in the Ken Palm at this point. So, yeah, they're looking to knock off. They're, they're trying to do what Appalachia State did mm-hmm. about a week and a half ago. Yeah, the uh, Andy, as, as you look at it now, coming off this game, it's crazy the difference, you know, in the, the perception that you have from one week to the next. A couple of the things we were concerned about, you know, entering the season was defense. You wondered about the um, – we felt like this would be a pretty good shooting team, and, I, and they're not going to go out and shoot nearly 50% from outside the arc consistently, but they'll shoot it pretty well. What's your biggest concern about this team now as as we get ready uh, for the Asheville game tomorrow night? Uh, I, I guess putting another game together after such a, I don't know if emotional wins the right way, but just the, the, the way Auburn played on Saturday and to come out of Atlanta on a national stage and to beat an Indiana. As, you, want to, you want to follow that up with another very well executed game. So prove that, that you're you're as yeah. Prove that that what Absolutely. people saw. It's like oh, that wasn't just a fluke. Go out. That's what I mean. Exactly Take care right. of business tomorrow. Get ready for another you know big stage on Sunday. If there is if there is a point um, that that concerns me a little bit, and it's happened even in wins for Auburn, it's the amount of fouls that Auburn commits mm-hmm. early in a game. I mean, we saw it against Virginia Tech. Fortunately, that did not play a factor in that game. Remember, that was a Georgia or oh, yeah. Tech team that was shooting like 80% mm-hmm. from the free throw line. And I was afraid that was going to happen on Sunday or on Saturday, and it really didn't, other than Cheney Johnson, who got three fouls early in that ballgame. That was the, the one thing we saw it against Baylor uh, in the first game of the year, that Auburn gets out there and fouls a little bit too much, and especially early in a game, and in the first half, puts a team at the line too much. That was a factor in the Baylor game, how often they went to the free throw line. That's the one thing to me, Bill, that, that I, I'd like to see Auburn 
play, execute its defense well enough that it's not committing the fouls. Listen, I mean, had they done that against Indiana, I mean, they, they, were, they went into that game knowing they were going to have to play physical. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you go in playing physical, you're going to foul. And at one point, Bruce Pearl on Tiger Talk last Thursday said, we're going to use every one of our fouls. Well, they right. didn't have to, as it, as it turned out. Well, you mentioned Tiger Talk. I know you're on the road, so we just sort of stretched and made this a little longer segment. Going to be a, a uh, busy week with uh, basketball on the road, then Tiger Talk, and then then Sunday basketball. Just uh, let, uh, What do we got in store Thursday night? Well, um, Thursday night we will be back at Baumhauer's Victory Grill. So I hope folks will come out. We've, we've had great crowds oh, yeah. there throughout this, this fall and, and into this, the early winter months at this point. Stephen Pearl is going to be on with us on Thursday night. So a couple times this year, Stephen is going to be the primary basketball guest. So the Auburn associate head coach will be joining us. We'll also talk gymnastics with head coach right. Jeff Grave as the uh, Auburn gymnasts get ready for their preview meet. And then, of course, they open their regular season early in January out at a multi-team event in Vegas. So that's our two guests. Tomorrow night, there is talk that we will be giving away more tickets at the game. Oh. Right? Tiger Talk tomorrow night as well. Oh, I, I, I was going to say, Andy, if you come across any, I've got hey. uh, both sons are trying to hit me up, and I, you know, I only have a couple, so it it happened. Yeah. You know, it, it, it happened about a week ago, but I still, I, you know, I, I because everyone seems to have a story or a memory. Uh, Cliff Ellis retired uh, as the as yeah. the head coach at Coastal. Uh, Andy, you were around for the uh, for, for for the the Cliff Ellis era uh, here at, uh, at at Auburn. What what are you, what are your memories of uh, of Coach? Well, uh, here's one that you're not going to expect. <laughs> Cliff Ellis is the reason I had fried turkey for the first time. Oh yeah, yeah. Huh. He he would <laughs> once before the season he would have the media to his house for a meal. And he lived out there in Grove Hill, mm-hmm. and I had never had fried turkey until I went to Cliff's house one night, and it was delicious, by the way. Uh, so that's one of the distinct memories <laughs> I have. Uh, you know, he listen. I mean, he's been a winner anywhere he's been, and you know, one of the things that and he was a true basketball guy. I can remember Cliff Ellis talking about growing up how much he enjoyed just going to any basketball game, including junior college basketball down at the Florida Panhandle, and how much he just enjoyed the game. But listen, I mean, when you think of, of Auburn and the success that, that Cliff had, I mean, there's there's two eras for Cliff. There is the, the Chris Porter era, uh, with and, and, you know, you think back to the rebound dunk that he had that is still the benchmark of any dunk in Auburn basketball history. And I also think back to that, that reverse dunk that Bryant Smith had when Auburn clinched the SEC regular season championship. But I'll tell you what, one of my favorite Cliff Ellis teams was that team that Marquise Daniel was a senior on. And a team, remember Dick Vitale went out, and he was so vocal that Auburn didn't deserve a berth in the NCAA tournament. And it beat St. Joseph's and Wake Forest and came within an eyelash of beating the, 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 the eventual national champion in, uh, in Syracuse that year. So those are the, those are the two... Those are the two teams that, that really come to mind, other than just Cliff being, he, he loved the game. Oh, yeah. And, and my goodness, think about how long he is. Cody got over 900 wins, for goodness sake. I think he's 10th right now all time in wins. I mean, he's a true Hall of Famer. Uh, don't know exactly what went into when he when he retired, but 
uh, you know, listen, he, he brought Auburn, he brought Auburn to back to the NCAA tournament. And it had been a while since Auburn had been in the NCAA no tournament. And he took the Tigers went to three at that point. Co- Coach, apparently part of the story I heard with <laughs> Coach Ellis was that he could have, he was given the option of going out at the end of the year and having a big farewell tour. But he wanted he wanted his lead assistant to have a real chance at the job and and have some of the media responsibilities that a head coach has, and so he's stepping down mid season and letting that guy take over the rest of the year. He also had some comments about the state of college athletics right now and not being able to coach kids and develop them and expect them to stay. So I mean, yeah, it is it is what it is. Yeah, that all makes sense, uh, and. The, the game of college basketball is all the better for uh, for Cliff Ellis in his many years as a as a coach at South Alabama and Clemson and Auburn and Coastal Carolina. Yeah, no, I'm probably missing probably missing one there somewhere. Those, those well, at all those places, he's right there at the top, if not at the top, right. in all time wins. You're absolutely right, Andy. Great stuff. We really appreciate you spending a little time with us. Uh, have a great trip up and back. Hopefully, it's a a very enjoyable uh, experience while you're there calling the game as well. We will be back. Uh, we've got Thursday night Tiger Talk, and then uh, we'll see everybody on Sunday. And I can tell my wife who's sitting to my right, honey, you have a ticket for Sunday. <laughs> well, so. that's, that's, that's very comforting, I'm sure. <laughs> you, Jan, take well, care, Andy. Day, guys. All right. All right, take care. Uh, we will get to our belated bottom-of-the-hour break. Just figured since we only had a little bit and he was in the car driving, we wouldn't hold Andy through a break so we'll get to break open up the phone lines love for you to join in as we continue here on the tuesday drive and our thanks to uh, andy burcham joining us yeah do we, well when do we usually have our last break we're usually we're usually about, about to come now? back yeah we're coming back from the from the last well, okay break well hour. well well we can go ahead we skip and, the bottom of the hour break and, yeah and, and it started to run both of those two together yeah drew what'd you do so well, no, oh, I think boy. it was just I oh, think it just boy. said, "Hey, it's this thing's late." Oh, oh. Hey, there we go. They're playing some more. <laughs> Goodness. Okay. Well. Uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, thanks for what yeah. We thanks to Andy for joining us. Uh, we, we'd we'd love for you to join in. Anything that you want to talk about? Yeah. The the concern with the UNC Asheville game is that Auburn, you know, looks ahead either still is. Uh, congratulating themselves on that impressive win over Indiana, or looking ahead to the USC game on Sunday. Auburn, and he's a, right though. Auburn about a twenty-point favorite. I've seen eighteen uh-huh. and a half uh, at some uh, at some of the uh, the places that, uh, for entertainment purposes only, will uh, will let you uh, uh, let let you see what the point spreads are in college basketball. Yeah, Auburn's a top thirty. I guess they're like 28, 29 in both the polls. Right now, did Auburn get AP poll votes? I didn't see. I saw that. Yeah, they, they got votes in both. They're twenty eighth in one and 29th in the other, in the AP and the coaches polls. Yeah, Auburn behind Ole Miss A and M in the uh, in the in the coaches. Or no, that's in the AP. And then in the as far as teams also receiving votes mm-hmm. in A and M, yeah, just just behind. I know they had, they had got. Yeah, they're the, only two. They're I think they're only like two ranked teams from the SEC. That's right. Uh, just uh, and Tennessee well, I, and Kentucky. That's correct. A and M had been ranked, but A and M dropped out after uh, after after dropping the game uh, this uh, this weekend. And yeah, Kentucky jumps back into the uh, the the, uh, the top fifteen. Yeah, there. I'm 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 really anxious. I'm I'm really looking forward to not anxious. I mean, well, I mean that I'm, that's that can be taken as you know nervous or something. But no, looking forward to the conference because it's been a wild ride here in the preseason. 
I mean, you've seen some very impressive wins by the SEC, and you've seen some, you know, clunkers like like Auburn's loss at at App State. That's well, happened. That's happened to a few teams. Yeah, and Kentucky's home loss to UNC Wilmington, Wilmington. which would be in there. And, and yes. you know, they're they're still. I think I think partially because they are Kentucky. Uh, you know, they're still there in the uh, in in the in the top. Uh, what they're they're, they're top four, twenty. Yeah, they're four, they? fourteen. Yeah. In the uh, most recent AP poll, Tennessee there at uh, at twelve. The other SEC team, as you mentioned, but no, I think this league is going to be. We're a couple weeks away from conference play getting going. Auburn's got that first week at Arkansas and and home against A and M, where I where I think it's just going to be. Yeah, immediately you jump into. I mean, there's there's, you know, half the league at least feels like they got a chance to finish. In the top three, in the top four, if yeah, not, I think, if not I win think the a thing. lot of teams feel like, oh yeah, we've got a shot if we play well. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss, you know, after you know, in year mm-hmm. one with Chris Beard, they went out and assembled uh, a team. Mostly, they kept the, the top couple players from the from the previous year's Ole Miss team, but they went out and got transfer portal players who fit uh, Chris Beard's system, including Alan Flanagan, who had. Uh, some uh, he's their leading scorer and rebounder. At yeah. least he was last time I looked. Yeah, had a uh, had a had a big game as uh, as Ole Miss uh, is uh, not not very many at this point in the season. Not very many undefeated. No D one teams and the uh, and, and the Rebels are one of them. No, so I th- I think it's going to be I think conference play is going to be. I mean Alabama gave Purdue a game yeah, over, over the weekend for a while. So I think it's I think it's, yeah league. Play when are they when be... they got Creighton? They're at Creighton. Yes. Either. Yeah, he, he, I mean, either here in the next in the next couple of days for sure. If it's not, I haven't looked at the schedule to see exactly when that was. I knew that they had Purdue, Creighton, and Arizona were their next three games. I was going to say Bama had that stretch where it was three three teams that yeah, are three straight top ten teams. Yeah, flirting with the uh, flirting with the uh, with the top. Bama's game against Creighton is this weekend, I believe. It's on Saturday. Bama is in. That Lincoln, where, uh, where where Creighton is, yes. Omaha, Omaha. Uh, yeah, they're in Omaha. That, yeah. Sound like Peyton Manning? Um, no, it's uh, yeah, Alabama at Creighton. That game is Saturday in Omaha. Okay, so they've got they've got a little, they've got a few days in between these. Yeah, and then you mentioned they have Arizona after that. That's an Arizona team that looks every bit the part of number one mm-hmm. in, uh, in in the in, in both polls. All right, we'll get to our final break. Uh, some some football. We we mentioned a couple of the highlights, but we're getting closer to the signing period and uh, some some transfer portal targets of Auburn are. Uh, some look like they're they're headed elsewhere, and others look like they're more the main targets that Auburn has. We'll talk about that and more. Love for you to join in. 334-321-1390 as we continue with the Tuesday Drive. With Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final minute or so of hour number one. Our thanks to Andy Burcham joining us a little earlier as he's on his way up to Huntsville, where Auburn will take on UNC Asheville tomorrow night. Uh, now, in hour number two, Jake Crane of Crane & Company will join us at the uh, bottom of the hour. We'll get his thoughts on what all is going on with the transfer portal. And as we approach one week till signing date, it's eight days from now that a lot of the top 
high school and junior college players, most of them, as a matter of fact, will be signing. Auburn with a player entering the transfer portal today, Austin Osbury, who'd been a highly touted defensive back out of Baton Rouge, really had not made it on the field. And by my numbers, I've got Auburn down to around 57 scholarship players. Now, that doesn't include some of the guys that could come back who are considering turning pro. We'll talk about that and more. Love for you to join in in hour number two of the Tuesday Drive, which is coming up. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Tuesday Drive. Bill and Dan with Drew at the controls here on this early Tuesday evening. Hope everybody doing well. And uh, we'd love for you to join in. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise, we talked a good bit of basketball there in hour number one, Auburn basketball. Uh, We are, you know, we're just a a day away from Auburn and UNC Asheville up in the Rocket City in Huntsville. Uh, but, But we're approaching... The signing period, the the December signing period, which has become the primary signing period, while the transfer portal is still going on, players entering the portal, players making their choices. Uh, We didn't mention in hour number one, Riley Leonard is headed to Notre Dame. That's where he was projected as soon as he uh, stepped into the portal, as soon as he, whatever you do into the portal, entered the portal. You wake up, wake up the echoes, right? Isn't that the old Notre Dame? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, another another quarterback that uh, is is choosing. Another him. ACC quarterback. Yeah, there was talk that Riley Leonard was uh, was was looking at Notre Dame uh, from the moment he got into the portal. Mm-hmm. And those suspicions are confirmed as he will indeed be uh, t- taking his talents to South Bend. You know, see what I did there? Uh, but the... Uh, uh, no, it, it's it's interesting to see what's going to happen as far as uh, you know different major pieces making their decisions in the transfer portal and the NFL draft because that's also a big right. part of this is you know a lot of these a lot of these guys could decide to go into the NFL draft or the transfer portal. I guess you can go into both. Uh, you know, keep keep your options open, but you know we're going to see especially with these quarterbacks what they decide to do. What do you make, Bill? Of what, what's the buzz on? Uh, is it Robert Lewis? Is the yeah the the receiver from Georgia State yeah Auburn's first confirmed incoming transfer right. uh, via the portal. So it sounds like I mean adding a veteran receiver with with some production, some recent production uh, in in college football. Yeah, had by be. far his biggest year this year with seventy receptions for uh, nearly nine hundred yards and seven touchdowns. He's a guy that when you look at the size that he is listed, you would think would be an inside guy, but he played. More than three-quarters of his snaps this year came as an outside receiver. And when you look at him on film, he doesn't look like a little scat-type inside receiver slot guy. He looks like an outside. So we'll have to wait and see where he winds up. But I I would think – I wouldn't be surprised to see Auburn look for one more – um, experienced receiver. So, so if you if you look at the breakdown this way, 
Auburn right now has five receivers from this past year's team slated to return. Any of them could decide to go into the NFL draft or the portal. Yes. Um, I think Burton's the only one who wouldn't be draft eligible, but the other guys would be. Maybe Jay Fair's not draft eligible either. He could go into the portal. Jay Fair is heading into his third year. Cam Brown's heading into his third year. So, so is Burton. Yeah. So so Coymore and Var right. are the two who have the draft mm-hmm. option too. Right. Uh, but if all five of those players decide to return to Auburn and you add – Lewis from Georgia State. I think, yeah, and, you, and you've got commitments from four. You've got commitments from four. That's ten. And I would also open up the possibility, I mean, is Fairweather a tight end? Uh, Auburn's not going to list him as a receiver. Right. So, I mean, yeah, you, he'll, he will stay, he will continue to be listed as a tight end. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens, right. you know, and, and there. But, but he, he increasingly worked, you know, it seemed in, in the offense, almost like it had, had a receiver's role at times for – you know, I, I don't know, but but I don't think Auburn would be done. You, you don't no, think no, no, no. Well, I mean, you know, you know, Auburn would love to. Auburn would love to flip Ryan Williams. Little news on Ryan Williams today: he was cleared. Uh, he is reclassified to class to the class of twenty four. Alabama was hoping to get him in for a visit this weekend. He's going to be. He has said he will be at Auburn Sunday, hmm. along with his quarterback. Uh, and I think uh, Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson and some other guys will be the, a lot of committed players. Hey, a lot of folks want to watch. They, they want to see the show on Sunday. But, uh, but Ryan Williams is not going to be visiting Alabama this weekend because he's going to be playing in the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game on Saturday. So he has been added to the Alabama roster for the Alabama-Mississippi game, and he will play in that I believe three Auburn receivers will be, three Auburn commits will be playing in that game. Cam Coleman is not. He is slated to play in the Under Armour, I believe, All-America game. But Perry Thompson, Malcolm Simmons, and Bryce Kane will be his teammates as receivers for Alabama and the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game. And then he will be at Auburn on Sunday. Now, again, um, Everything is all indications are he will sign on his birthday, which comes on February 9th. I had thought that, oh, that's the first day of the February signing period, but no, it's always the first Wednesday in February. So that would not he, be the ninth. His reclass he can reclassify. He's not he's not he has reclassified. He's reclassified, but he's not graduating early as he re- he's not gonna be anywhere in the That is he's true. Still, he's still going to be in high school in the spring. Yes, he's not going to be enrolling somewhere in January. No, but he's, but you know, players players can sign players that haven't graduated can sign next Wednesday. Right, he's eligible to sign. He could sign next Wednesday, but there has been no indication that he's going to do that. Uh, I think he's told people he's planning on signing on his birthday, which would be the Friday after the first Wednesday of the signing period. People will be losing their minds, Dan. When he doesn't sign, because if he doesn't sign on Wednesday with Alabama, then Auburn people are going to be. Well, no, hold on. That, now that birthday thing. Uh-huh. Is that has he said that? I believe he has. Okay, I was going to say now. I believe he's, he's told a reporter that he's planning he's, on signing now, he's on, on his birthday. Yeah, he said he's not signed until February. People shouldn't expect him to sign no. anywhere until February. No, I mean, I, there, there have been There's, a couple of Alabama moderators that have said, oh, don't be surprised if he still just goes, that Nick Saban wants him to sign next Wednesday. I guarantee you, well, everybody sure. wants him to sign yeah, next Wednesday. that doesn't mean he's going to do it. I mean, if he's, but I mean, that's, uh, uh, yeah, so so that's. I think, and here's the and here's story's the not going away. If he, had, if he had made his official visit to Alabama this weekend, 
then you might think, oh, Alabama might have been able to convince him to sign next Wednesday. But if he's not making any official visits until after, sometime later in January, you know, say starting in January, because the dead period for recruiting starts this Sunday at midnight and runs through January 2nd. So players this Sunday at 11.59 p.m. Yes. Okay. After Sunday midnight, players will not be able to visit until January 3rd. Now, is that true of players? That's not true of players I in the portal. don't believe that's true of players in the portal. Players in the portal have the, have the entire, I think. I visit. tried to look that up today. I could not find any definitive answer there. I asked that question yesterday, and the, the consensus was probably not. But I don't, I don't know anything for sure. But uh, so feels like the dead periods for high school recruiting don't apply to the dead periods for the portal. Shouldn't. Like they seem like different different windows, and it it wouldn't make sense to have a dead period for portal recruiting. That's half of the month that the portal's open. Right, the portal opens, and then ten days later, you've got a dead period. I that's would be crazy. stunned. I would think that you can still. Yeah. I, th- I would think that you could welcome transfers onto mm-hmm. campus all month. It's a matter of high school students who can't be. Uh, who can't be contacted during the dead period. All right, let's let's uh, let's get to the phones. Uh, we'd love to hear from you as you can give us a call on the Drive Hotline presented by Skybar. That number, 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the Drive text box presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. You want to get to Brett? Yeah, let's do. Hey, Brett. Hey, guys. Dan, uh... You and I tried to tell them for a little over a year, but for some reason there's a lot of Braves fans out there whining about Shohei Itani going to the Dodgers. I, look, I think that the I think that the Dodgers were his choice from the moment he left Japan, and he only played for the Angels because the National League didn't have a DH when he made his choice years ago. Now I now I thought other teams could make a push. I'm you know ten years, seven hundred million dollars. Is a is a monster contract, uh, but no, I I thought that he, I I thought I thought that that you know that I thought the Dodgers were the favorite uh, th- throughout the process and was surprised by the news. What was it back on Friday? There was news coming out that yeah, it sounded like the Blue Jays. Do- yeah, Dodgers bloggers were reporting that the Dodgers had been informed they were out of it, and people were jumping to the conclusion that it was going to be the Blue Jays. But uh, you know that that information turned out to be uh, a little bit. Uh, a little, little bit less than watertight. Yeah, well, Dan, everybody wants to wear Dodger blue, don't they? Not everybody. Freeman proved that. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think it's it's. Look, if you're, you know what, if you're, if you're show, if you're Shohei Otani, and winning a championship is one of the priorities, I think the Dodgers are on the they're in the top tier right now of places. You, you know, we were just talking about quarterbacks. Who could maybe go into the portal? Uh, you know what what would happen to the quarterback market if Carson Beck went to the NFL? Uh, you know because that's a that's a place quarterbacks would want to go. I would say the Dodgers are you know that, that's that's one of the rosters that a a a player looking to play in the playoffs and looking to play for championships that that's certainly one of one of the ideal destinations for a uh, for a guy like him. So you think uh, Freeman will bat third and Tony fourth or? Maybe what about one, two, three? Yeah, I would. Th- I would think Freddie might bat two and Otani three. Yeah, I'm thinking unless they sign someone to stick in that top three, it, you know, it sounds like and Mookie. Uh, what the the plan? The plan is plan is most of the year at second base, uh, depending on who they sign 
uh, this off season, but I think it's I think it's Mookie, Freddie, Shohei, uh, one, two, three at the top of the lineup, Brett. All right, well, sounds good, Dan. Looking forward to it. Y'all have a great evening. Hi, Brett. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety, and maybe not done in the starting pitcher market either, because I mean, all they've got well, right if they're now. They're only paying. They're only if they're deferring all but two million dollars. Sure, they've they've got a little extra. Yeah, and, the, the, and this is where you know some of the revenues that you know the teams are sort of on in, in baseball. Unlike in the SEC with the each team, it's like in baseball you you can pick your you know you sign your own local media market deal and. Some some teams are panicked because the team you know the the organization they were partnered with has gone belly up, or or because there's not tremendous interest in in the the, the TV rights locally. The Dodgers, the number is crazy. It's like between it's between three and four hundred million dollars they're hmm. bringing in just from their local TV deal before they sell a ticket or a T-shirt or a you know a, you know get get any of the TV money you know nationally that that everyone shares. So yeah, they they might. Uh, uh, they they might keep shopping, and that 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 contract is guaranteed into the twenty forties, I think. So that money they they're paying Otani's, you know, based off that monster TV deal. But yeah, I could see I could see Blake Snell. I want to see Yamamoto. See where he ends up because apparently he's got this. Uh, you know, he's got a huge deal coming. The uh, uh, the starting pitcher coming over uh, from uh, Japan, and and there's a couple of starting pitchers in the trade market that the people seem to uh, to think could be. I and I still believe firmly that the Angels need to trade Mike Trout. Like now you're, I mean, without Otani, like it is. Right. I mean, it is. They might as well get what they can because they're not cr- going to contend. Yeah, it's cruel to to keep Mike Trout in in Anaheim where he's not going to be able to play any meaningful baseball games when he is somebody that uh, we were just talking about the Braves. I think the Braves have a system where uh, they can make they can make a trade for Mike Trout. The Dodgers still have pieces in the system that would make sense. The Phillies, you know, there, there's there's teams in contention. Uh, where they they could help speed up the Angels' rebuild and provide Mike Trout with a chance to compete right now in uh, in, in big games. We'll get to our first break of hour number two. Love for you to join in. Again, at the bottom of the hour, we'll check in with Jake Crane of Crane & Company. But our phone line's open until then. Don't forget hour number two of The Drive, brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care, with locations in Auburn and Opelika, on the web at orthoclinic.com. Stick with us here in hour number two of the Tuesday Drive. Experience and knowledge from the pro. Zero two or email us at the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. 19 minutes after five o'clock here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls, and to the drive hotline. And Jerry is up next. Hey, Jerry. Hey, guys. Uh, I would love to see Mike Trout in left field with the Braves. That would be a perfect fit. Well, there, there, there are a lot of teams that could see him fitting into the outfield and into their lineup. I yeah. can tell you that. And I think if Mike Trout were younger, you know, we we had this. Uh, we talked about this with Justin Ferguson on the air before. Where I think if Mike Trout were younger, he would be the kind of player where a team would demand a, a you know a piece like Michael Harris. But at Mike Trout's current age. Now, I wonder if Vaughn Grissom and pitching would get the deal done uh, for for the Atlanta Braves. You know, I, I think that you know with with what the with what the Angels oh, need yeah, to focus so. on, I like probably so. Like, I, th- I think if, if Grissom and and if they were willing to part with enough of their uh, their younger pitching, their their minor league system pitching, you know, I, I think that's something the Angels would seriously look at as they you know prepare for not not that they were winning a ton with Trout and Otani, 
but it it sure feels like it's something of I mean with the with the world champion Rangers and the Astros as competitive as anyone in baseball like that's a and the Mariners with some pieces they really like that are younger like that's a that it's going to be a really tough uh, next few years for the Angels and yeah I think that uh you know get getting some of the Braves uh, better younger players to speed things up I I don't know and there's a benefit too for Atlanta where you know, you add, add Mike Trout to a lineup that's already, you know, pretty pretty historically, uh, you know, pr- pr- pretty pretty great. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I I think there's I think there'd be benefit for both teams uh, with a deal like that. Yeah, I mean Trout, Harris, and Acuna in the outfield. Ooh, rough. Yeah, you wouldn't have to worry about platooning. No. All right, guys. All right, Jerry. Appreciate the call. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. It's the uh, the, uh, the the it's hot stove league time. Well, in the aftermath of the Otani thing going down, right? Like you yeah. had other. There are other free agents. I mean, everything's going to be in the shadow of that. But I mean, still there. There's still plenty of plenty of movement. Oh, sure. I mean, you, the NL Cy Young winner's a free agent, and uh, the the you know the big the the big fish coming over from uh, from from Japan. So I mean, there, there's lots of, uh, uh, yeah, there, there's lots of other little storylines too. But uh, yeah, no, and, and we were, uh, you know, always always happy to always happy to work in a little bit of baseball. Oh yeah, uh, I, I wanted to just sort of look at what Auburn is is uh, looking at, what Hugh Freeze and staff would like to uh, sort of bring in after getting the commitment from Seth Wilfred from Snow College. I mean, he's a guy with three years of eligibility, so it's basically like bringing in – you're bringing in a, uh, you know, a, a, a guy a, that's in the same class as Connor Lou. Is Snow a two-year or a Snow? Are they it playing? is. Okay. It is. But, I mean, he, but he played – he just played one year. So he's got three years of eligibility left, and he's I a guy – I always feel like there's a distinction between – no, nothing against two year two year colleges. Yeah, he's a junior. He's a junior college. Guy. Right. He's like, not a he's not a transfer portal guy. He's yeah. a junior college. And, and that and commit. guys guys like that can still make an impact. Too tall was, was, oh, was yeah. a guy this past year that came over. Keontae Scott is is an addition. Same junior college from, as a from, matter of from fact. the same. I knew I knew it sounded familiar. Yep. Uh, so so he's a guy. I think that he's not one that they're looking to plug in and start. Uh, a couple of Auburn's targets there on the offensive line have uh, have decided to head other ways or, or don't look like they're as much in the picture. It really appears that Auburn's top two tackle, offensive tackle prospects, and you've heard Jason say this, you've heard Brian say this, where they could uh, then slide Dylan Wade into guard, where most NFL folks feel like that's where he would project, are Mac Pounders, uh, who was uh, the the offensive lineman from Memphis? Who was in this that's past a, weekend? That's an action hero name. Oh, it is. Isn't it? Oh man! And then uh, Fernando Carmona. Do you like the the rolling the R's? Yeah, Fernando like Carmona is uh, from is a uh, visiting this weekend. He's a San Jose State transfer. Those guys, I believe, Pounders has two years, and I think Carmona has one. But if Auburn could get those. Guys, and I think they would take them both. Carmona may – I mean, Carmona's probably a little more proven than uh, than Pounders. But those are the tackles that Auburn wants. And then they're bringing in – Well, Auburn uh, gets a commitment from Fernando. I mean, th- there will be something in the air that night. 
<laughs> I mean, because uh, no, I mean it, that that would be. I mean, we we talked about it a little bit when when he uh, was first linked to Auburn. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is a guy. I mean, Auburn. I have to feel like it's not something Auburn wants to do every year, but based on this season, Auburn has to feel as though if they like a group of five player, a group of five offensive linemen. They think he can come in and contribute immediately. You probably don't want the whole thing built out of group of five offensive linemen. No, and you don't want to have year. to do that every every single year. But if you feel like you're close and you've got some guys that you would like maybe another year of seasoning, if you will. But I think they liked what they got out of Gunnar Britton this year. I think they liked what they got out of Dylan Wade this year. It sounds like they're pretty happy with what they got out of Muskie. This season, yeah. right? So, I mean, if Auburn adds a, you know, especially in the in the search for, because Hugh Freeze likes to say it, right, Bill? It's not it's not five offensive linemen. It's seven or it's eight. Seven or, it's or eight ten, is what they know, played this past know, year. And, and and I think that thinking that Fernando can be one of the eight or one of the ten. I think thinking uh, that that Mac Pounders, uh, you know, the the uh, the the hard boiled detective. Uh, Mac, Mac, you know, Mac Pounders can can be one of them. I think would be, uh, yeah, those those do seem like. I mean, on top of the development that's already happening on the offensive line, and that's a position where I'm I'm really curious to see if somebody gets snaps in the bowl game who we haven't seen much of the rest of the year. Right? You've talked about Tyler Johnson. Yep. Um, I, I would I would throw Dylan Senda's name into that think, mix yeah, as, I would think as that's well. A possibility like, as well. You know, if, if someone like that can get in and, and get some, uh, you know, we and you know who we forget about who's somebody it seems like they like is is EJ Harris too. You know, right. for, former Auburn high product mm-hmm. who who physically looks the part. We've seen it we've seen him around a couple times. He goes to the basketball games and uh you know, you know EJ is somebody who he looks like uh you know certainly certainly looks like he contributed. So somebody like that gets in, like that adds to the adds to the intrigue next year, but uh but yeah, I mean it sounds like on top of developing some of these young guys, they they'd love to go get one or two veterans from the portal to come in and uh and and join the fray on the offensive line. Yeah, and they have uh they've also um I think they're they're very interested in the Toledo offensive lineman, and man, I'm blanking on his name. He's got uh, he's got a, a different kind of name, but I think he's the interior offensive lineman they'd like to add. So look, you feel like Auburn could add another receiver. Uh, they'd like an offensive tackle. They'd like uh, one more interior offensive lineman. They're definitely in the market for another safety. I mean, with with the um, so many guys gone from the from the secondary this year. I think they'd like uh, an experienced safety, and I, I'm not so sure. You know, I wonder. It doesn't seem like Auburn. I think with the fact that they have four linebacker commits in the expected signing class next Wednesday, is Vinny, and we Vinny haven't heard anything. Vinny Skiuri. Yes, is that's that, him. That last name was a guess. By the way, I, something I, like that. S C I U R U R Y. Yes, it's you know, Scurry. Scurry. Uh, it's could be. It's could be. Yeah, it could be Scurry. Could, could be Sirey. Sirey. I mean, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. Vinny. Yeah, he's the Toledo offensive guard, right? Yeah. So finished I mean, uh, re- reading from the on three story about him. Uh, finished uh, uh, f- finished twenty twenty three as the number twelve rated pass blocker. In the country, according to mm-hmm. PFF, and that's where Auburn could use a little help, and is a guy who would be jumping, a guy who seems like he's jumping into uh, the, the the Power Five for one year and, and mm-hmm. using that to springboard into the uh, uh, into the NFL. He only has one year left of, of of college football eligibility, and then Auburn would obviously like to add 
either through the transfer portal or high school or both. Some more help there up on the defensive front. Oh, one other little note uh, I just that, that I, I noticed somebody in writing uh, about, you know, Malik Blockton went ahead and signed his financial agreement um, in the last, you know, day or two, and that's Marcus Harris, his younger brother. And one of the things, Marcus was there at that ceremony and said he's looking forward to playing with his younger mm-hmm. brother. Now, does that mean – Malik's going to come in and practice for bowl practice. Is that what he's talking about? Or does that mean Marcus is, playing, is coming back? Is that playing with a guy? Well, like it, uh, well I don't know. I mean, that's probably certainly, not. Certainly I would suggests... say that's a positive sign, though, wouldn't you and, think? And Marcus also sounds like somebody to me where, as, as, as much as I would want him on my NFL team, I don't, I don't know what his draft stock looks like right. versus what he could make being the anchor of, of a college football powerhouse. So it's different than look if 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 I if every NFL draft thing that I were that I read had Marcus Harris in the top 20 or the top 25, then then we'd say good luck and yes. uh, we appreciate everything you've done. And and go get him. Go yeah. get him on Sundays. But but that's not, you know, I I think he's somebody who I don't know what the finances are one versus the other and uh, if uh, if he wanted to start a pro career a pro career I'm, I'm sure there would be a market for his services, but there could be a market for Marcus Harris's services to stay in college football, play another year, especially at a position where, boy, Auburn would love to have his production for, for, for one more oh, season. Oh, no, and was, production and leadership. Yeah, because he was somebody who, even when like, when Auburn was losing games, that, that four-game losing streak in the, in the middle of the season, like, like Marcus Harris was playing really good football then, like let alone – you know when when Auburn when Auburn would would you know when the when the defense looked really good in Auburn victories so yeah I, I think uh, no matter what he decides I mean selfishly I'd love to see Marcus Harris play another year of college football and and get a you know get superstar treatment on a great team uh, I also understand if he would want to start a, a a pro career but that's a very interesting remark he made yes. there uh, sitting next to a uh, Malik all right we will uh, get to our bottom of the hour break Jake Crane joins us on the other side so stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Tuesday evening. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls. And we're heading to the uh, Drive Hotline, presented by Skybart. Welcome in our regular Tuesday afternoon guest, and that, of course, Jake Crane of Crane & Company. Hey, Jake, how you doing today? Uh, doing great, fellas. Always a uh, pleasure to join you guys. Man, here we are. We're, uh, I was just saying at the start of the show, we're 13 days away from Christmas, but we're eight days away from what feels more like Christmas to Auburn uh, football and recruiting fans, and they can recall in a long, long time. Oh, without a doubt. And, I mean, you've seen this momentum that's been created, you know, even before the season with some of the flips that we saw. Uh, you know, Auburn, Auburn's ability to hang in those games against Alabama and Georgia, you know, are going to help uh, kind of pitch the vision. I mean, look at Cam Coleman right now. It's committed, obviously, Perry Thompson, you know, Ryan Williams, who just reclassified. We'll see. Uh, but it's all across the board. Uh, you're seeing what Auburn's doing on the offensive line. Uh, and looking like they could steal a couple more from uh, Florida, which would be huge from a pass rush standpoint and, and just overall front seven standpoint. 
So you mix that with the portal and, you know, really see, you know, uh, the guys that got coming back, Keontae Scott, that's big. Still the biggest question is who's going to be throwing those guys the ball. But uh, they're obviously doing big things right now. And it's nice to see Auburn back to relevancy at the top of the recruiting game. Oh, yeah, there, there's no question about that. You you mentioned, yeah, Amaris Williams just in today. Well, he was in the last couple of days, and things sound pretty promising um, as, as he is leaving uh, leaving Auburn. I think he's got one more visit or so before uh, before he makes up his mind. But, man, what what all is – I mean, everybody appears to be defecting from Billy Napier's team and signing class. Yeah, I mean, look, and, and I've been somebody that, that preached patience with Billy Napier. I mean, you, you look at what he inherited. I know it's Florida, but Dan Mullen, there's a lot of problems under the surface there, but it seems like uh, in the age of the transfer portal era, he can't keep anybody, and that's the guys that, that he brought in you know, when, when he first got there. So if you're a Florida fan, you're looking at that 2024 schedule. I know Graham Mertz is coming back. That's great. Uh, but, but unless some new guys are able to come in and step up right away, uh, Ford is going to be in trouble. And if Billy doesn't write the ship in 2024, I think he's going to be gone, and, and then the next guy will be able to come in and take over. But look, yes. uh, one man's problems is, is another man's ascension, and, and you look at what Auburn's doing. If you can get him, get him. Uh, and it seems like everybody's scurrying away from Florida. There's some other places we see this going on at as well, and Auburn's doing a great job of taking advantage. I mean, look at Texas A&M and, and Cam Coleman. I mean, we've just seen, and occasionally, you know what? Sometimes guys pull out of this. You know, Norvell is is probably the greatest example mm-hmm. of that at Florida State, Jake. But like, yep. we've seen, yep. it just I mean, I remember Scott Frost's last off season at Nebraska, right? And I remember Brian Harson's only off season, really, as as Auburn coach. And it just it feels like this is a situation where if I had to put all my chips on an outcome. It would be that Billy Napier's toast within the first six games of the season, and Florida's you know big game hunting for uh, a Lane Kiffin or someone like a Lane Kiffin that they think if they paired with Florida's resources would be uh, an unstoppable force in the NIL transfer portal expanded college football era. Well, you know, let's see. Let's see how Jeff Levy does at Mississippi State. Yeah. I think that could be a name that that would pop up maybe. A they've they've hired they've hired Mississippi they've hired Mississippi State's coach before. Uh, yes, they have. When, when things uh, yeah, when, yeah, when they, things were going well, and they had a couple they they had a couple good runs in them. But look, I'm telling you, man, I'm I'm excited for Mississippi State fans though. You know, all joking aside, Jeff Levy. I, if there's a guy that, that doesn't have any head coaching mm. experience that that I believe in, uh, it'd be Jeff Levy. How about uh how about the hire of uh, John Sumrall? By uh, Tulane, which is it hurts. Uh, it hurts. Unbelievably happy for John. It hurts to lose. It hurts to lose John Sumrall. I think to a non-power five job. You know, it hurts to see him jump into uh, you know to to a to another group of five program from Troy. Uh, but it's probably one of the top group of five programs in all of college football, and it's a place with resources. And I bet John Sumrall is going to do pretty well, Jake. Look, John Sumrall's a heck of a football coach. You know, what he was able to do at Troy in, in these last two years was obviously impressive. And it is a step up. I mean, we got to be able to call a spade a spade. It is a step up uh, to, to where he's gone. And uh, But, look, Troy, you know, they have an established culture there. Believe me, if anybody knows that I do, <laughs> they're going to be fine. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what Coach Sumrall does. I'm excited to see what my buddy Brian Vinson does at La Monroe. Very excited to see, uh, see him get that job. Nobody deserves it more than him, but – 
You know, another name to watch out for is as we kind of go down the stretch here. Watch out for Rhett Lashley a little bit too. Hmm. Uh, yeah, an unbelievable job at, at at SMU. I mean, that wouldn't be the biggest shock. I mean, um, I hadn't hadn't really you know thought about that, but that does make sense. Who's still in the market? Haven't we seen most of the? I mean, I feel like where, where are we going to still see? Oh him? no, I'm, ta- I'm talking about I'm talking about down the down road. the road. Oh, oh, sure. Yeah. Going, yeah, yeah. SMU's going to the ACC, and and obviously that's that's a big reason for him to stay. But I think he did one of the most underrated jobs. Uh, best underrated, you know, coaching jobs this season. I mean, that SMU team, and, and I'm I'm excited to watch their bowl game. Yeah, you know, I didn't land on Jeff Lebby, but I I had Lashley as sort of the kind of coach that I thought made sense at Mississippi State, where you needed to do something I could see that. a little bit different. Yeah. I, I tossed out. I mean, Summerall because uh, winning at Troy is you know I, I there there are there are similarities there, but I thought like a like a Caldwell. Or a, um, or a not a, a Chadwell, Jamie, not, yeah, not, not, not Jason Caldwell. Although he, you know, he'd do fine. But uh, but <laughs> Jay, Jay, like a Jamie Chadwell or a or a Rhett Lashley was a coach, and and Jeff Lebby is in that mold as someone who you know is is going to do something. He's 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 going to do something aggressive and different offensively to try to uh, neutralize, uh, you know, a, a perceived talent advantage by the other team. Well, yeah, and he, and he knows the state really well. He was at Ole Miss for a while. There's a lot of – you're always going to be able to have a quarterback that, that comes in and is able to play. I, I think I, – I really, really thought Mississippi State did a great job. You know, I know it was unfortunate. And, and today, I believe, was actually the uh, the one-year passing of uh, Coach Leach um, uh, as well. I, don't quote me on that, but I believe it's right. But I, I thought Mississippi State really – yeah, I thought all the hires were good. I thought Mike Elko was good. Um, you know, I, I, I think that one's going to yield some results quicker than what people think, but I really thought the Mississippi State hire was the best one. It's going to be attractive offense to play in. Uh, he's going to make it fun to go to the games again. And like I said, he understands the state. He understands what he's going up against. He's been on the other side of the coin. He was in Oxford for a while. So I, I think it, it's going to make the Egg Bowl a lot more fun and a lot easier to take the over. Yeah, that that will be. A, a, hopefully, hopefully it'll make it more fun and, and less uh... – Maybe maybe a little less bitter than it is uh, right you know right now and has been for a while. Jake, um, uh, while we you know we mentioned the transfer portal here a little while ago, I mean one of the bigger names in the portal, Riley Leonard today, making it official that he is headed to Notre Dame. That's where most people had expected him to go. Is uh, is is that going to be the first of maybe some uh, some dominoes falling with quarterbacks? Well, eventually they're going to have to start falling, right? You know, guys want to go ahead and solidify that spot, get in there, start really learning the playbook, uh, understanding their surroundings. You know, again, Riley Leonard's one of the top guys in the portal. I, you know, I thought Auburn uh, had a chance with, with him being from Fairhope. But, look, I mean, if we want to be honest, it's, Marcus Freeman's got to be on the hot seat too now, right? Like, at what point is Marcus Freeman with all these, these big-time quarterbacks that are coming in when, when do we start talking about hot seat for Marcus Freeman and unless the, the standard at Notre Dame has changed? So uh, that's something, you know, bringing in Riley Leonard, obviously, is, is you know, Notre Dame's always going to be good up front. I'm interested to see how those skilled players are able to develop around them, and, and now he's going to be there and have enough time. But as far as guys making decisions, you know, it looks like Kyle McCord's going to end up at Nebraska. You've seen Dylan Gabriel going to Oregon. Uh, there's going to be some more dominoes that fall. It seems like every quarterback in the transfer portal is visiting Miami. Yeah, uh, including Cam Ward and, and Will Howard. So yeah, they're going to start falling. Yeah, and, and we were talking earlier. Well, I, I want to get back to the point you made about about Notre Dame, but w- with quarterbacks in the portal, uh, you know, I read read a story earlier today, and and we talked about this on the show that that one of the sounds like Georgia is is one of the places to watch because 
We don't know what Carson Beck is going to do. It sounds like there's NFL draft buzz there. And one would think if Carson Beck jumps uh, to the NFL, uh, then the Georgia would, would be looking for one of these veteran quarterbacks uh, to uh, to go into the portal and e- either one of the quarterbacks already in the portal or or a quarterback that's not in the portal right now would go into the portal if, if a job suddenly became open in Athens. Well, you know, obviously there's there's going to be a, a boomerang effect on, on whatever Carson Beck does. I mean, you know, Georgia, look, I, I think they've, they've got enough talent. I say that. Brock Vandegrift's off to Kentucky, and they do still have Gunnar Stockton, who they're bringing in in this class. The Rayola kid looks like he may be flipping in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, I would honestly, though, be shocked, Dan, if Carson Beck didn't come back. I, I really think he's going to. And Georgia would love for him to come back. Sure they would. I, I, I I, I think with this draft class, he'd be smart to do it. I know he's been in school for forever. I don't know how much he's in love with the classroom, and I do think he's going to have a chance to play in the NFL. But, man, it just would make sense to come back uh, for this next year and, and hop into this next class. I mean, you look what it did for Jaden Daniels. Even though this class is super deep, he was able to come back and, and his draft stock uh, skyrocketed. But uh, I would be shocked if he didn't come back. Well, the other thing is if he doesn't do anything before their bowl game, it's too late. For players that are out there and think, yeah. oh, I'd jump into the portal now, and then Georgia could really be stuck in the lurch. They'd be caught in the lurch. They'd be in a situation sort of like Auburn was where they'd have to try to find somebody after spring ball. Yeah, without a doubt. Or, or you know, hope a young guy can, can take you to the promised land, which you, you never want to do that, especially in the Southeastern Conference. But, look, I don't think Carson Beck would put them in that spot and then do that. I think Georgia's just way too organized when it comes to this stuff. I mean, Kirby is one of the best in the world at roster management, which is something we don't talk about enough in college football. Um, so I, I would be shocked if Georgia found themselves, you know, with their pants down basically in the quarterback position. You mentioned Marcus Freeman and expectations. You know, I, I wonder if we're going to see – I mean, we've already seen patience sort of going away from fans and from administrators, and it's more you know coaches are on the hot seat in year two more more, more than ever before. Once we get to a twelve team playoff, right? Like you you know you only get a couple of years at one of these superpowers where you don't make that thing. Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, twelve. If you're not good enough to be in the twelve, yeah. at, at a place where expectations are that high, you know, used to be used to be finishing fifteen was pretty good in college football. Now you finish fifteen. And you're going to have places to say, hey, why weren't you in the top 12, buddy? Hey, you finished 13. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I mean, look, the, the arms race, and, and I've said this when when Dion was doing what they were doing early in the year at Colorado. I was like, no, but no head coach is looking at this going, man, this is amazing. Now, you're, you know, fans will be able to say, listen, you can do it in year one. Look what Prime did at Colorado and how bad they were. Now, we all know what happened. Uh, to that Colorado team down the stretch, even though they did quadruple the, their win total from the year before. But, no, I mean, you go to a 12-team playoff, if you're one of these big-money places, we got to be in there. How can we not finish in the top 12? You know, I, I, and, and what's going to happen is you're going to have some places and some programs that have never been in, like, the college football playoff race, like, that far into the season. So you're going to have people on, like, hyperdrive for the first couple of years of this 12-team playoff. So that, that's what I'm interested to see. But, look, as long as, as you know, the, you, you have this freedom of movement in the transfer portal and stuff like that, you're going to see and, and the, the money in college football goes up and the facilities and the NIL resources and stuff like that goes up. Obviously, the demand to win when the salaries goes up goes up even more. So, I mean, I don't see this slowing down. No, you're, you're absolutely right about that, uh, Jake. I mean, 
This this thing is going the crazy, horse, and there is no there is no end in sight right the, now. The horse is out of the barn. The genie's out of the bottle. The toothpaste yeah, is out of the tube. And, and, and somebody and we're being drugged it's by n- the range n- right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, it, not, it's not. You're not, you're not. We're not going. We're not. I mean, you got to put in put in the video game if you want to go back to the old era, right? Because we're not going back to it no. in, in real life anytime soon. No, we're, we're, we're not. It's, uh, it's a brand new world. And look, I think it's going to make for some, some, I just hope that the parody from this year isn't an anomaly for this year. I, I hope this is the new normal. I mean, how many times in, in the past five years we've we been able to say, man, you know, more than three teams could possibly win this. That would make the 12 team playoff even better. I just hope this is the new normal. Oh, you're right. Jake, I know you got to run here and, and we uh, talked, uh, we talked strictly football, but you guys are talking at all. Just let, let everybody know what you've got coming up and how, of course, they can get it. Uh, definitely. Well, you know, we're live each weekday morning, 6.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. Central. Uh, we're covering everything in the college football world, uh, recruiting, all that stuff uh, as well. Uh, we do live call-ins, have a live chat. Uh, it's Crane and Company on YouTube, C-R-A-I-N and Company. Can't catch it live. It stays on there. It's on Apple uh, Podcasts and Spotify as well if you listen to it. Uh, yeah, man, we have a good time, so uh, come hang out with us. All right, Jake, great stuff. We really appreciate it, man. Have a great week. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Jake Crane joining us as he does on Tuesdays here on The Drive. We will get to our final break of the afternoon. Still time for you to join in. 334-321-1390 as we wind it down on the Tuesday Drive. Robert Pig with Pig Enterprises. Over two decades.